Hello everyone, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. To learn about our mission fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our study today is taken from Psalm 24. The question has been asked as to who can come before the Holy God, and the answer is given, a person with clean hands, a clean heart, and clean lips. That's all, just that, and you can come before a holy God. Having said that, I'm sure all the people said, let's go, David. Let's march up with our clean hands and our clean hearts and our clean lips into the presence of God. We can do this. You think they said that? You know, when you see this, you say, let's leave behind the company of double talkers and posturing religious people. Let's go up and let's, let's charge this mount and march into the presence of God. We're ready for this. We want to worship God and worship is imitation. So God is holy and we'll be holy too. And God is true in all he does and we're true in all that we do. Let's go into the presence of this God who does all things good with our good and clean hands. Having done the same, let's worship him. Is that what they said? Alexander McLaren says this about this verse. If this is the necessity for entering into the presence of God, we may as well loiter in the flowery valleys below as toil up only to find impassable mountain after mountain arise before our eyes and to see the temple of God shining above us, inaccessible after all. In other words, what he says is this. If this is the standard to come up before God's presence and remain there, Get real. Why even try? What are we going to do? However hard we try to achieve this, it doesn't seem possible, does it? It doesn't seem like I can purify my hands and my heart and make my lips completely pure. So how is it that I can go into the presence of this holy God? Let's go to verse 5. A little problem here in verse 5. If you have the NIV, you'll see what the problem is. It requires a little explanation here. It says here, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The translators of the NIV saw the problem that's here in this text, and so they changed the translation by altering the word righteousness to say it meant receives vindication from the God our Savior. It says he will receive blessings from God and righteousness from our God. The author's NIV said, yeah, there's a problem with the way this goes together. It doesn't thread together logically. There is the outside chance that this word could be vindication from God. Let's try that instead. It actually, if you think about it, makes sense. Because there's a problem in this passage. He shall receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. If you glance at the words, it seems to suggest that the reward that's given to the man, meeting the requirements of verse 4, are the benefits of verse 5. But that doesn't seem logical. In verse 4, you have a righteous man. You have a person who has no sin in his hands. He has no sin in his heart. He has no sin on his lips. He has no falsehood in him whatsoever. And this person is fit to come into the presence of God because he is completely righteous. And a gift is given to him because he is completely righteous to come into God's presence, and it's the gift of righteousness. And it appears that God is giving him what he's already got. That doesn't make sense. How does a man come and get the gift of righteousness when he was righteous enough to come in the presence in the first place? What can be added to righteousness? Well, it is a problem. It's a problem if you think that verse 5 logically comes after verse 4. It's solved if you recognize that verse 5 logically comes before verse 4. It comes first. 
The verse is simply giving us a description of a clean-hearted, clean-handed, clean-lipped person. That person has a clean hands, he has a clean heart, he has clean lips because he has been given righteousness as a gift from God. He has received this blessing from God. That's the only way in which you and I are ever going to make it up on top of that mount. Is this comes first, and it does. So here are our three points. Point number one, I am indebted to a preacher from over 100 years ago named Alexander McLaren for these points, although I've rephrased them. Point number one, God's impossible requirements for fellowship with Him are His greatest gifts to us. God's impossible requirements for fellowship with Him are His greatest gifts to us. God gives us righteousness. He gives us a changed heart. And in so doing, He plants the seeds of His holy life within us that produces within us holy actions that gives us clean hands and a clean tongue. And God does it. The person who is pure before God is pure only because God has given him purity as a gift. The outward and inward purity that are qualifications to go in the presence of a holy God and stand before His face are given to us by that holy God. He covers us. Brothers and sisters, this is what the Christian declares. He covers us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that one who came to earth and became a man and lived the perfect and sinless life, that one who died, sinless though he was, taking on all of my sins and rose again, triumphing over all of my sin, when I put my faith in him, that one takes the exchange of all my sins and in its place covers me with all of his righteousness so that when God looks at me, he sees me, he accepts me, I can come before him clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. I'm dressed in it, clothed in it, wrapped in it. It's not mine, it's His. Let's face it, He is the only one who meets the qualifications of verse 4. He's the only one with pure hands and a pure heart and a pure tongue. And He covers me with all of that purity because I put my faith in Him. Not only that, He comes and He lives in me. He lives to express that righteousness out from me and as He lives in me, He guides me and He leads me into an increasingly righteous life where His own purities and cleanness and holiness and righteousness find expression in my hands and in my lips so that I can offer up before God by the power of Jesus Christ holy hands made holy by Jesus Christ. Oh, I sin. Each day He comes and washes them away, these hands, these feet, so again, I can lift up to Him the works that I've done for God through His power, by His enabling, and stand before Him. And God generously and lovingly receives it. And so you have verses like Colossians 1.27, which says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Or Galatians 2.20, where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Or Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And all of these things are simply boastings in the promises that Christ has not only covered us with His righteousness, but that He lives out that righteousness from within us to the glory of God as we yield our lives to Him. And all of these boasts are expressions that we have received this as a gift. 
We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't, in our own strength, ascend into the mount of the Lord. He climbed there for us when he came to earth. And there upon that mount, he died for our sins in order to cover us with this righteousness. You know, there are a lot of people who have given up the pursuit of being good for God because they've concluded that it just isn't in them. They've tried really hard to please Jesus. They've tried really hard to please the Father. And they've just given up and said, you know, I just can't do this. It's not in me. And that was and is, if you've come to that conclusion, a good conclusion to come to. That's an accurate confession. It's not in you. That is an expression of the honesty and truthfulness that God wants to hear from your lips. But you need to listen to His reply. His reply is, yes, it's not in you, but it's in me. It's in me. And I will give you from myself what is completely remote from your abilities and your nature. I will give you my righteousness as my gift all over you, all within you, so that you can come into my mount and be in my presence. Here's the second thing we learn from this. We learn that righteousness, purity, holiness is salvation. It says there, he shall receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. Righteousness, listen to me folks, righteousness is salvation. An individual thinks that getting saved is just a way to get to heaven, that getting saved is just a way of avoiding the darkness of eternal punishment, that it's just a matter of where you're going to spend your eternity doesn't understand what salvation is. Salvation is a very contemporary matter. It's something that you can have today and that you can enjoy today because salvation is righteousness. Salvation is being clean before God and acting clean by His power. The person who wants to be saved, who wants to escape judgment, who wants to go to heaven, but does not want to be and live a holy life doesn't want the salvation that God offers. The person who just wants to enjoy an unoppressed conscience and an idea that somehow, when it's all done, he's going to make it through the fires and the good days are all ahead. But in the meantime, wants to enjoy a little season of sin and self here on earth. That person doesn't even want the salvation that God offers. Because salvation... Salvation is righteousness covering me, coming out from me, making me fit for relationship with God so that I can stand before Him. Go to Philippians chapter 2 for just a moment. Verses 12 and 13. Paul writes here, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What is that salvation that they work? It's the life of obedience and righteousness. Now, he's not saying that that's what makes you saved. He's saying that's what salvation is. Salvation is my righteousness given to you. Now, let it go. Let it roll. Work it out. That means give expression to it. Let it be seen. How do we proclaim the salvation of God to men. Well, of course we tell them Jesus has died for your sins and risen from the grave and will change your life and give you His righteousness. But how else do we proclaim it? We proclaim it by giving the evidence of that work in our own lives. By being obedient to Him. By following His will and His commands. 
What does it say here? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You mean I have to climb this mount on my own? No. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. He's the one who gives me His righteousness and lives His righteousness out for me. Righteousness is salvation. Let us recognize something. What men have been longing for, the great need in human nature, is not to walk on the golden streets of heaven. What they've been longing for, the great need of human nature, is not knowing, for example, that they will mount up with wings as eagles and run and not go weary and walk and not faint. It's a good thing that we're going to get that if we've given our life to Christ. But that's not what is in the heart of man that he longs for. What man longs for is rightness. Man longs for in his heart to be fit to be in relationship with God. What man longs for, what he needs to hear is that he can be made pure and right and be brought into relationship with God. That the Lord Jesus, who is God, come in the flesh can cover him all over with himself and live within him his own life and fullness. Intimacy, relationship with the all-holy, eternal, everlasting God who is meaning itself. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, Go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.